0: Number 1. I was in my freshman year of college, and I was cramming for an art history exam on the social floor of our campus library. Out of nowhere, a guy came to my table and sat across from me. He seemed about 22, rugged black hair, toned olive skin, pretty brown eyes. He flashed me a handsome smile and introduced himself as Cal. Do you like tennis? Now i wasn't really in the mood to make conversation, as I had an exam in 20 minutes that I was literally just starting studying for. But being the overcurious, ever ever-friend-seeking freshman that I was, I indulged conversation. I told him I didn't play tennis, as he was looking for people to practice with, but I learned Cal was a transfer student, and that he was into art comics and foreign films, just like me. Honestly, we really hit it off. So we exchanged numbers, and I agreed to go over to his apartment later that night to smoke. I had a boyfriend at another college, and I wasn't about to go meet a stranger alone. So I brought another female friend with me to Cal's apartment. At his place our conversation went on. And in hindsight, this was probably the first red flag I should have recognised. I really want to start a violence club, where we just shoot everyone who commits crime. The way that he'd said this made both my friend and I think he was joking. But there was a weirdly cold, detached tinge to it. Later on that night, Cal chucked his lighter at my friend's face in reaction to something she said. My friend was fine, but Cal indirectly made it clear he did not want her in his apartment. Second major red flag. I told him that wasn't cool and that we had to leave. Cal immediately apologised and walked us out. As we walked back from his apartment, my friends and I agreed that Cal was not what he had seemed to me before. Charming, studious and genuine. Weeks go by and Cal kept texting me and messaging me through Facebook. He told me about his broken childhood and how he felt he could open up to me so much. I responded as I felt sorry for him, but I probably shouldn't have. One night I woke up to about 22 drunken texts from him. ...about how his life is going to shit... ...and how he thought he loved me... ...and how seven out of seven dentists... ...think I should stop dating my long-distance boyfriend... ...and move on to Cal. He set up a lot of creepy, possibly rapey hangouts. Like, hey, do you want to come to the forest with me... ...and help me finish this bottle of vodka? I sent him a stern message I wasn't interested... ...and promptly stopped replying to the rest of his messages. This kept him away for a while though I saw him a few times on campus, in the library at the same spot I had studied in. Soon after, the semester ended, and it was summer break. After I blocked him on Facebook and my phone, Cal still sent anonymous texts, asking if I wanted to try MDMA with him, asking me for sex, yelling at me for bringing my friend that day I hung out at his apartment, and at one point, threatening to break into my dorm, as he claimed he knew where I lived, and where I was interning at for the summer. Every time my phone buzzed, my heartbeat would skyrocket. I was so scared to check my phone or leave any social media presence that I deleted all my accounts in hopes that he would stop cyberstalking me. Later that summer, I got an email from Cal which creeped the fuck out of my bones. Hey cutie, did you miss me? Don't you remember what day it is? Aren't you gonna wish me a happy birthday? It's not like I'm asking you to fuck me or anything. I reported him shortly after that. But this is what gets me the most. The same semester, one of my good friends told me she met him in one of her classes and that she got a text from him. Do you like tennis? Number 2 I don't want to give a lot away about my identity, but I'll say that this takes place in a small town in Ontario where I grew up, during 7th grade. So me and everybody in my class would have been about 12. Anyway, for the first part of 7th grade, we had a substitute teacher, Mr. I, who was only there until the actual teacher, Mr. C, came back from sick leave, which we later found out was due to mental health issues. Mr. I was great, and he left after the winter break. That was when Mr. C showed up. He was kind of a creep from the start. He used to make a lot of little creepy remarks we would let slide, but eventually it escalated. One encounter I recall is that one day during recess, he tried to get me and a friend Rachel to say different words for penis, and would ask us if we were comfortable with saying things like that. Now, as young girls, we decided to tell our parents, and they were pissed and called the school, which obviously did nothing about it because otherwise the rest of this wouldn't have taken place. Fast forward a couple of creepy months. Me and Rachel are in the gymnasium with the rest of our class which was about 20 kids. We're doing the gymnastics portion of our gym program. we were halfway through class and Rachel gets up and goes to the part of the gym where we would leave our shoes. So I turn around to look for her after a bit And to my surprise, she is standing there across the gym, in shock, holding a video camera. Now at this point, no one else really noticed, and even I haven't put two and two together yet. But what happened next, made me clue in pretty damn fast. Mr. C, who was at the time lounging around the gym, not really doing anything, sees Rachel with this camera. I swear to god, his face went from not having a care in the world, to utter horror. In all of a second, he grabbed a soccer ball from a nearby rack and chucked it across the room at Rachel, in front of over twenty fucking twelve year old kids. It hit her dead in the side of the face. She dropped the camera, screamed and ran out of the room and into the office. Me and everyone else in the class also ran out of the room in pursuit of her before Mr. C could do who the fuck knows what else. He grabbed this camera and ran out of the school. I never saw him again. Rachel, who happened to live on the same street as me, has friendly parents who talk to mine occasionally. We later learned they'd press charges and all that shit, and Mr C was convicted of assault on a minor, and also intent to harm minors or something along those lines. He'd been taping our class since he'd begun teaching us. He had dozens of tapes of our gym class. We would position the cameras in different places to capture the most revealing angles for whatever it was we would be doing that day. Needless to say, we got a new teacher for the rest of the year, which was kind of awesome because she let us do pretty much whatever we wanted to. In hindsight, everything about Mr C seems so menacing now, from accidentally walking into our changing rooms, to extensive health lessons about sex. Number 3. Now this encounter isn't about some pervert or stalker or criminal or anything like that, but I guess it frightened me, because it's something I'd never experienced before. So I'm at school on Tuesday, and on Tuesdays I have my geology class at noon, lab at two, and then a break until my math class at night. So after my geolab, I meet up with my friend Brian, so we can go get some lunch together We go across the street to a place that everybody on campus eats at for breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. Brian and I are sitting in a booth just talking, because we'd finished our food, when all of a sudden, a random guy shows up by our table. Now my mum works in the courthouse and deals with people on drugs all the time, and I've been there a few times myself, so I can recognise when someone is messed up. Also I have no issue giving money to homeless people. It's not my job to judge what they do with it. By giving them money, I give them the opportunity to feed themselves. If they choose to use it on drugs, that's not my problem. So the guy shows up to our table, and the conversation goes like this. Hey, do you have any money? I need to get back to Colorado, and I don't have enough money to get there. Um, let me see if I have any small bills. I really need money, Matt. I need it bad. Brian looks in his wallet and finds he only has a 20, which he obviously isn't going to give to this guy. The guy also notices he has a 20. Nah man, I don't have any small bills, I'm sorry. Well, I need like 50 bucks to buy a ticket. I'm sorry dude, I don't have anything for you. Please give me money. At this point, I'm getting kind of weirded out because he's being fairly aggressive and keeps asking... He also gets this pretty hostile tone in his voice. I don't have any money for you. I need some money, man. I'm sorry. Just give me some money. I'm sorry. I need money. Then this guy turns to me and points to a painting on the wall and says, You see that painting? I did that. I made that. If you give me money, I'll get one for you. I don't have money. Sorry. Then he makes a pouty puppy dog face to me and kneels down and says pretty please I just need some money I need money please as he's talking he's scooting closer towards me on the ground and I'm just absolutely shocked and I have no idea what to say so Brian steps in and looks at him and says dude we have no money so the guy gets up looks at Brian puts his hand on his shoulder and begins to squeeze and gets right up in his face maybe three inches away and stares for about ten seconds I can tell Brian is scared because the guy's not your typical skinny homeless guy he seems to be in fairly good shape and Brian is six foot two and a skinny kid all of a sudden two guys from the kitchen walk in and pull the guy away from Brian and tell him to get out of here now The guy turns to Brian, gives him the dirtiest look, and walks out, escorted by these two kitchen workers. I don't know if maybe I was just being paranoid, because I've never met a guy this aggressively asking for money, but the incident certainly freaked me out enough to go and get some pepper spray. Number 4. This happened about two years ago at my high school, when I was a freshman. Yesterday in my chemistry class, the teacher reminded me of the incident. I go to a medium-sized school, about 400 students per year. However, we only have about 100 students enrolled in AP Physics every year, so we only have one teacher for the subject. The longtime Physics teacher retired, so the school board hired a new one. We'll call him... Mr Sykes. Anyway, from the first day of school, everyone could tell he was, well different. He'd blow up over the smallest things, such as someone writing a formula wrong, and just go absolutely ballistic. The first week of school, he made over five students cry because of his outbursts. My chemistry teacher is science department leader, so she was very disturbed by these actions. One day, she was going to talk to him about this, and if he needed to make some changes, or if the students needed remediation. He was not in his room, but she found a pillow and sleeping bags and some of his clothes hanging in the teacher locker every room has. This seemed a little bit suspicious, but she didn't overthink about it and soon forgot it. Fast forward to December, my teacher's son was in the marching band for school and she had to pick him up about 11pm due to a game very far away. She noticed his car was still there. This made her grow more suspicious. But really, what teacher would be at the school at 11pm on a Saturday night? As the weeks went on, Mr. Sykes' outbursts got worse, and the students began to fear him more. The following Saturday, my teacher's kids were sick with a stomach bug, so she went to good old Walmart for some ginger ale, and on the way home, she decided to drive by the school to see if Mr. Sykes' car was still there. Sure enough, it was. The following week, the physics students were notified that Mr Sykes would be leaving that week and they could either drop the class without penalty or take it online. The first week of Christmas break, the janitor who was cleaning the school texted my teacher and said Mr Sykes was standing in his empty classroom staring at the wall. She said if he was still there when he left, to call the principal and possibly the police. He was there. Five hours later, staring at the wall, my principal and the police had to end up coming in and escorting him out of the school. A week later, my teacher was checking the supplies in the room, making sure everything was okay for write-up, as she was going through the drawers, she found various items such as razors, rat poisons and acids, who knows what Mr Sykes was planning to do with them? Number 5 I was 19, staying late at the college darkroom to develop some film for my photography class. The photography building, which was once a tobacco warehouse, was a dark, rickety hulk near some lonely railroad tracks in a little-traveled part of the campus. I finished developing my film close to midnight and headed out, nervous as always to be alone at night in this deserted part of town. It was dark. Several of the streetlights around the parking lot were out, and the few that remained were phoning it in, putting out a weak, flickery light that did nothing to reassure me as I headed toward my car. I heard him before I saw him, a scrape of feet on asphalt. He said, ''Hey, can you do me a favor?" I startled and dropped my keys, and he mumbled an apology for scaring me. I noticed he was wearing a jogging suit and limping. ''What do you need?'' I said. He hobbled a step or two toward me. I think I sprained my ankle. Could you take me to the ER? The University Hospital was a short distance down the road. I hesitated. The guy looked perfectly pleasant, and he did seem to be in pain. But I'd recently finished a book about serial killer Ted Bundy, who lured some of his victims by pretending to have a broken arm, and asking for their help carrying books to his car. When they leaned over to put his stuff in the passenger seat of his VW Bug, He knocked them unconscious with a crowbar and stuffed them inside. This scene played across my mind as I looked at the guy. It occurred to me to wonder why the hell anyone would want to jog in this creepy part of town. I'm sorry, I can't do that. But I could call somebody for you. There's a phone in the photography building there. There's nobody to call. I just moved here. I don't really know anybody. Can't you just drive me? It's right down Limestone Avenue. He leaned against the car and winced as he reached down to rub his ankle. "'I'll call you an ambulance,' I offered. "'No, I I can't afford that. I don't have health insurance. Can you just drive me? I'll pay you twenty bucks.' There was something in the way that he said this last bit. Something wrong. Like that exercise in my acting class, where we had to recite Mary Had Little Lamb, as though we were delivering a tragic monologue or a furious rant.' There was a tone rising up that didn't quite match the words he was saying. A raw urgency that reached down inside me and hit the panic button hard. There was a moment of silence between us. I can't help you, I said. I'm leaving. I gripped my keys, slipping them between my fingers the way my mum had taught me, so I could use them as a weapon if he came at me. I kept my eyes on him as I speed-walked the last few feet to my car. He watched me drive away, still leaning against that car, a flat expression on his face. Away from the dark parking lot, driving through campus with my music turned up, the fear faded. I started to feel a little guilty for leaving the guy there, although I knew I'd done what my mum and dad would have wanted me to. I was about to turn into my dorm parking lot when I realised I needed to pick up some stuff for breakfast the next morning, so I turned around and headed back the direction I'd come. About a minute down the road, My stomach clenched. There was the guy in the jogging suit, running along the sidewalk. His ankle was perfectly fine. Later that summer, two students at my college were attacked by those same railroad tracks. The girl survived, but her boyfriend died. The man who attacked them was a serial killer, dubbed the Railroad Killer by police. He murdered dozens of people across several states, most of them near railroad tracks. I didn't see his mugshot on TV until years later, but the picture broke me out in the same icy sweat I felt when I saw the guy running down the street. I can't be 100% positive, but my gut tells me I escaped a serial killer that night. Hope you enjoyed today's video, I thought it'd be apt seeing as all you lot heading back to school and college roundabout now, so why not give you a few creepy things to think about while you're there? Next video up should be later on in the week and will be my top 10 European cryptids as a follow up to the American one. Also, earlier in the week I was a guest on Creepy News' channel. I helped do a video with him about the murder of Benet Ramsey. I've put a link in the corner here to the video if you guys want to check it out. I really really would. Creepy News focuses on true life murder and abduction cases and it's a pretty interesting channel I've got to say so I hope you guys to give it a check out. Also, feel free to like, share, subscribe, and comment on any of my videos. It helps out so, so much. Also, once I hit 20,000 subscribers, I will be doing a Q&A video, so feel free to send me any of your questions, either in the comments or using my social media channels, which are in the description box. So, until next time, sleep tight.